are listening to Cold Lake Community Church Podcast. I hope today's message inspires you. Community Church, a place where families come together. So good to be back here. This is family. I'm going to get closer because I just like to be close to people. Choo-choo train. I love coming here. I, um, thank you. Um, Lance and Cindy are true pastors. I, there's a lot of people who call themselves pastors that aren't necessarily pastors, but they are the real deal. And it's easy to love them. I, we tease a lot about Cindy the first time I came. Her, she, we had just met, and so um, when she introduced me, I don't even remember what she said, but it was... So we've been teasing ever since then about um, her introductions, but that was a fantastic introduction. Thank you. I love you. Um, I count myself privileged to know them and to know all of you and to get to know you even more and to be here. I'm very particular. I love being on the farm. I love what God's asked me to do, and honestly, I don't like to leave. So I'm very particular when I do leave, and you guys are irresistible, so. And I really mean that. That's not just something nice to say to tickle your ears. I really mean that. It's really true. So um, I loved the songs. I loved what Lance had to say. He had no idea what I was going to talk about tonight, but boy, did God just set the table for us. And our whole... Uh, our staff meets at 6.30 in the morning together, and we just sit for an hour in silence and just encounter the Lord Monday through Friday together. And last week, generally, the Lord doesn't tell me what he wants me to talk about until I get to a place, sometimes not even until I put the microphone in my hand. It's not a fun way to live, honestly. Um, but I'm starting to not panic quite so much. But anyway, he, he asked me a question about a week ago or so in my encounter with him, and he said, Rhonda, what does love look like? Now, I've been around long enough to know that God never asked me a question because he needs information, right? He's smart, right? He doesn't have to Google anything. He's God. So I said, well, Lord, would you show me? Would you show me what love looks like? And he said, yeah, I will. He said, because that's what I want you to talk about in Cold Lake. So um, he took me to several different people in the Bible and began to show me what love looks like uh, through them and as he, as he interacted with them. And I saw your um, Is Jesus Enough sign, I think it was first time this morning when I came in and one of the things that the Lord had said me said to me as I was studying these people in the Bible was he said is love enough he kept saying that is love enough and he'd take me to this and he'd say was love enough for him and was love enough for him and my question to you tonight is is love enough for you 
and God is love. Jesus is love. You could easily take the name of Jesus and put love there because First John tells us that God is love. That's not just a characteristic. That's not just something that he does when he's having a good God day, but it's who he is, right? That's the very essence of who God is. The substance that he's made up of is love. We can't comprehend that. The thing that we call love is so wishy-washy, and it's mostly based on whether or not somebody else met, met our expectations or even meets our needs. And if they don't, we write them off and move on and try to find somebody else who will. That's kind of our definition of love. And beloved, that has nothing to do with the love that God has for you. Nothing. His love is the same. The beauty of God's love is it never changes. It never wavers. It never does the seesaw up and down, and it's never based on your performance or your behavior or your attitude. Even when you're having your worst hair day ever, God still loves you the same. And that's the beauty of his love. It's not based on us at all. We don't cause him to change how he feels about us. And boy, I didn't believe that for a long, long time in my life. And I was striving to be the best Christian on the planet. And God, in his mercy, let me run into a tree and get stopped in my tracks. I had a nervous breakdown because I wanted to be good enough so that God could love me. And he let me crash so that I could come to the realization and know the truth. The Bible says you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Beloved, truth doesn't set you free unless you know it. And I, be, I realized, wow, God loves me, just like Lance said tonight. When you come to that realization and you know in your knower that God loves you, it changes everything, and your whole life changes. And as we look at some of these people in Scripture tonight, that's the point I want for us to grasp. And for the, I believe the Lord wants to drive it home tonight that you are loved, period. You are loved, period. Not based on whether you happen to go to church three times a week and fast on Saturdays and give your tithe and offering. It's not based on that. There's one thing God's looking for when he looks at you. One thing is the blood of his son applied to the doorpost of your heart. And if it's there, you have everything that you need pertaining to life and godliness. And the scripture's clear about that, and he loves you. He told me one time, he said, Rhonda, I love the entire world. For God so loved the world that he gave. He said, that's true. I love the world, but I'm in love with my bride big difference if you have said yes to jesus and his blood is applied to the doorpost of your heart you have entered into a covenant whether you know it or not that god compares to marriage and those of you who are married you understand that the love that a husband has for his wife is different from the love that lance has for me totally different thank you God's the same way. He loves the world. Lance loves me. 
But man, he's in love with Cindy, and you don't have to be around them very long to know that that's true. God loves everyone, but you have a special place in his heart that nobody else has. And his love never changes. That's such good news. That means we can take a deep breath and go, oh, wow, I'm free, like we sang tonight. That's what freedom is. Love is a choice. If God had created us where we didn't have a choice, it wouldn't be love, would it? Can you imagine forcing somebody to love you? That's impossible, isn't it? Absolutely impossible. And God knows that. He, he created that dynamic. So he gives us a choice to love him. I want to first look at Hosea. Hosea is one of those prophets that, you know, prophets kind of have a little bit of a, a lot. Let me change that. A, a tough life. <laughs> Not just a little. Prophets tend, a genuine prophet generally has to live their message. It's very true, even today. And we see that with Hosea. Hosea is a young man, and God comes to him and says, Hosea, hey, I got great plans for your life, and I'm paraphrasing. Uh, I want you to get married, and I can imagine Hosea going, oh, great, I've been praying for this. Good, Hosea, because I want you to go and marry a prostitute. Uh, excuse me, did you say prostitute? Like, harlot? Like, God says, yeah, Jose, I want you to marry a prostitute. Uh, that's not exactly what I had planned for my life, God. This certainly must be a demonic voice talking to me. Surely you can't be serious. And God says, yeah, here's why, Hosea. My people... Those that I've called by my name are unfaithful. They've gone after other lovers. They're in idolatry, severe idolatry. And I want to show them how I feel about them. And Hosea, I'm going to show them through you. So I want you to marry a prostitute, and I want you to love her. And I want you to have children by her. And by the way, Hosea, she's going to be unfaithful to you. She's going to have an affair. She's going to go into adultery. And that adultery, that life, she's going to get into debt, and so she's going to have to sell herself into the sex trafficking. Do you know that's been around and it's still there, still around? She's going to have to go sell herself into the slave market. And Hosea... I want you to still love her. Actually, I want you to take your hard-earned money and I want you to go buy her back. Hosea, the reason is that's what love looks like. That's what love looks like. Even when you're unfaithful, even when we're unfaithful, even when I'm unfaithful, God remains faithful. Revelation says that when Jesus comes back riding that white horse, the bride will say, faithful and true. That's what we'll say. That's what we'll say about him. We've been unfaithful, but you remain faithful and true. 
You see, your commitment to God is not what's going to keep you. It's his commitment to you that will keep you. Faithful and true. I'm faithful even when you aren't. That's what love looks like. And God tells Hosea exactly what he told. That exactly happened. She has children. She has three children, two, two sons and a daughter. And one of the daughter they name, No Mercy. N-O, not K-N-O-W. They name her No Mercy. Every one of the children represent God's judgment of unfaithful Israel. How would you like to go to school with the name No Mercy? Hey, what's your name? Absolutely No Mercy. Oof. I love the name Mercy. And at some point after these three children are born, Gomer, that's his wife, goes into an adulterous affair and and ends up exactly like God said. And then God comes to Hosea again one day and says, Hey, Hosea, I know you're kind of getting used to life without your wife and everything, but I want you to go buy her back. Go buy her back because I love her. And then he tells Hosea, he says, Here's what I'm going to do to unfaithful Israel, to your wife who represents unfaithfulness. I'm going to hedge her in with a wall of thorns so that she can't run after her other lovers because I love her so much. I'm going to let her have roadblocks. She's going to hit a tree. I'm going to stop her in her tracks. I'm going to hedge her in with a wall of thorns so that she can't continue on the path she's on because that path will kill her. And God still does that, you know. He still allows circumstances and roadblocks in our lives to stop us, to get our attention so that we won't continue and in Hosea 2.7, God says, after that, as I put her in a room and I put hedge of, a hedge of thorns all around her, every which way she turns, it's going to hurt. After that, she will return to her husband. That's why. That's what love looks like. Love disciplines you have children, you love them, you discipline them because you love them. God does the same thing. He's a good, good father. Love is faithful. It's what love looks like. The next person the Lord highlighted to me is in John 8, the woman caught in adultery. The Pharisees were trying to trap Jesus, and they caught this woman, brought her to him in the temple, and threw her at his feet. And the Pharisees, trying to trap him, find some grounds to use against him, they said to him, hey, the law of Moses says that this woman is to be stoned. The mystery to me has always been, where's the man? Because the law they're referring to in the law of Moses 
says that the man and the woman both are to be stoned. Where's the man? So they, we don't know. And Jesus, what do you say about that? Should we go stoner? And they're trying their best to get some ammunition against him. And Jesus just writes in the dirt, and they keep pressing him, trying to get him to speak. And he finally stands up and says to them, whichever one of you is without sin, you throw the first stone. And we know the story. They all leave. He bends down and starts writing in the dirt again. And then he turns to the woman for the first time, and he says, hey, where are your accusers? Because the law says that the only way that they can carry out that judgment is that the people that caught her had to accuse her. Where are your accusers? Does anybody condemn you? And she responds and says, no one, sir. And he says, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Love looks like that. No condemnation. Now, this woman, she wasn't repentant. She wasn't sorry. Doesn't tell us. She got caught. And he was merciful. He didn't condemn her. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Do you know that you can't be condemned? You can be convicted and thank God for the gift of the Holy Spirit that convicts us concerning sin and righteousness, but not condemned. Love never condemns. Luke 15, the prodigal son, probably one of my favorite prodigals, I mean parables. The story, the boy goes off and wastes the father's inheritance. He returns home not because he's sorry, but he doesn't want to die. That's the only reason he comes back. He's hungry. He's going to die of starvation. And he remembers that his father's kind to his servants. So he goes home, and the father meets him with extravagant mercy kisses his face, hugs him, doesn't point, put his finger in his face and say, what in the world were you thinking, boy? Doesn't do that. He just covers him. He sends the servant in to get his, the best robe, not the one he's got set up for Salvation Army, but the best robe, the ring that signified family and authority, and the shoes on his feet and to kill the fatted calf. Do you know in the Jewish time of Jesus that when they wanted to honor someone they would honor them by pouring out the blood of an animal and which depending on how much they wanted to honor that person as to what kind of animal they would use if it was just a little bit of honor they'd get a dove or a a pigeon um, some small bird or a lamb for the Passover was a sign of honor And the fatted calf was the one that they chose for the highest honor known to man. If you got the fatted calf, you were the top dog. And I love that because God says, you know what? I honor you so much that I'm not going to just kill a lamb. I'm going to kill my son. I'm going to one-up you. 
That's how, what love looks like. I'll give you my best. And it's not a fatted calf, and it's not even a lamb, but my very own son. Love covers a multitude of sins. Doesn't expose. We're real good at exposing in the name of helping people. But love covers. The next person, Simon Peter. I love Simon Peter. He gives me hope. He was a mess. Got himself, his mouth got him, got him in trouble a whole lot. But he was zealous. He had all this uh, zeal for God, just not a lot of roots and foundation. But that was okay with God. He chose him. And I, as Pastor Lance was talking about, God chose the least. When he picked his 12 closest friends, he didn't go out and get the educated and the ones that had it all together, whatever that means. He chose the least, the uneducated. And probably those apostles were really young. Not, you know, I pictured them 40, 50 years old until I started studying, and they were significantly younger than that, probably early 20s. Could have John, the, the thought is that John was probably a teenager even. So Simon Peter in John 21 he not only, he says to the Lord three times, I'm not going to deny you. And Jesus says, oh, Peter, not only will you not deny me, but um, he, no, Peter says to the Lord, not only will I not deny you, but I'll die for you. And he meant it. And sure enough, three times before that rooster crowed twice, he denied him. And then after Jesus is resurrected, this is what love looks like. He, he seeks out Peter and makes a point of setting the stage for him to have the opportunity to affirm him three times instead of deny him. Simon, do you love me? Do you love me? You're not disqualified, you see. Love believes all things. I prayed for you, Simon. I'm not worried. Because it's not your commitment to me that's going to keep you. It's my commitment to you. I prayed for you. Now feed my sheep, Simon. Feed my lambs. Tend them. Take care of them. Because that's who you are. Love believes all things. And love is greater than faith. You know, I, we, if we're not careful, we get caught up in faith. Got to have faith. And, and I believe in that. Believe me, I believe in that. But 1 Corinthians 13 says there's something greater than faith. There's something greater than hope. And it's called love. What does love look like? Love believes all things. Love never fails. Never, never fails. Then we see Saul in the book of Acts, the Pharisee of Pharisees. He was an important dude, and he's holding the robes of Stephen as they're stoning him, and then he goes about persecuting Christians and putting them in prison and, and uh, 
abusing them, literally, until the day that he has an encounter with love. This blinding light knocks him off his horse. He hits a tree. And it changes his whole life. Because love never fails. It never fails to change whatever it touches. Not God's love. It's impossible for you to have an encounter with the love of God and not be transformed. It's supernatural. And the moment something supernatural touches something that's natural, the supernatural is greater than the natural. You can reject it. It's a gift. He won't, you can't force somebody to love God. But if you receive it, it will change you. And Saul falls off his horse and is blinded and forever changed. And his name is changed to Paul. Do you know the name Paul means little? He went from somebody that was a Pharisee of Pharisees to little. Names are a big deal to God. He often changes names. I remember, um, I'm going to, Hayward, I'm going to, I didn't ask your permission, but do that if I start and you don't want me to share it. Hayward picked us up from the airport and they were telling us their story of how they met and their childhood and it was just really fun. And he, he shared how Effie, when she got saved, she got saved first and he'd grown up in the church, but it wasn't exactly the best experience. So he had some issues in his heart at that time. And Effie comes home and tells him what had happened, and he <laughs> tells her, you just wrecked my life. <laughs> Hit a tree. I love that this car and tree is here. It's such a great, you just wrecked my life. Saul felt the same way. You just wrecked my life. Sometimes these wrecks are good. God promises to turn all, the, all things into good, right? So love will wreck your life. It will transform your life. It wrecked him in a good way. And aren't we all so glad that Hayward and Effie's life got wrecked that day? Yeah. Love absolutely transforms you if you receive it. It's like a gift. If I had a a box up here all wrapped up and a million dollars in it, Unless you went up there and picked that box up and took it home with you, it wouldn't change anything in your life, would it? It'd still be sitting there. And God did that for all of us. Something worth so much more than a million dollars, his own life. And he wrapped it up in a beautiful package and said, Whosoever will may come. What a gift. His love. What does love look like? As I was asking the Lord about this message, he took me out of the Bible and reminded me of a man I met in China about five years ago. I'll never forget him. He's a little um, little guy. He was probably, I, I don't know how old he was, an elderly man. And he had been an officer in the communist army and he had i didn't know this but i heard his story the next day he had um that night the lord had me prophesy over him 
And I remember, I can't remember all of what I said, but I remember this because it was an image in my mind. I saw him in chains, wrapped in chains. And the Lord said to tell him he was free, that, his, that God's blood, Jesus' blood, had erased his past. I saw that. It was like a, a, a blackboard that turns totally white in front of my eyes as the blood fell on it and that the chains had fallen off and that he was a free man. And so I shared that with him, and he, he was visibly, uh, emotionally wrecked. He hit a tree. The love of God came, and God kept saying, I love you, I love you, I love you. And he went home, and that next morning he came running up to me and was going 100 miles an hour in Chinese, and I'm like, I'm sorry, I don't understand, I'm so sorry. And Where's my translator, you know? So anyway, found out that he said, he told me his story, that he'd been a communist officer, and his job in the army was to find and arrest and persecute Christians. And he said, I don't know how many I've tormented. I don't know how many I've persecuted. I don't know how many I've killed. He said, but I met Jesus one day. He appeared in front of me in body and told me who he was and told me to stop killing his children and I got I gave my life to him that day and he told me that one day I would be free and when I was free I was to go back to the communist army and tell them about him and they would persecute me and kill me and I'd be a martyr for God and he was so full of joy I said so why are you so happy he said, because last night was the first time since I met Jesus that I slept. He said, I've been tormented by the faces of the Christians that I've killed all these years. And he said, I slept last night. And when I woke up this morning, God said to me, you're a free man. And I knew what he meant. I get to go back now to my off the officers and share about Jesus. And I'm going to get to die a martyr. And I'm, as the Lord reminded me of that, I thought, that's what love looks like. That the, he didn't love his life unto death. But you love not your life unto death. That's what life, love looks like. That's what Jesus looks like. He didn't love his life unto death. John 15 and 13 says, Greater love has no one than this, that I that he lays down his life for his friends. That's the greatest love known to God or man. There is no greater love than a love that will lay his life down for someone else. And then God takes it to the nth degree and says, I'm not only going to lay my life down for the people I love, I'm going to lay my life down for my enemies. And we were all his enemy when we met him. Every one of us. And I'm so glad that love looks like that. We wouldn't be here. God's love is like hitting a tree at 100 miles. Well, you guys don't do miles per hour, do you? I don't know what 100. Yeah, 200. What do you do? You don't even know what you call yours. Kilometers? <laughs> you get the point. It's like hitting a tree with the f your foot on the gas pedal to the floor. 
there's a song, His Love's Like a Hurricane. Oh, I love that song. A hurricane is a mess. It makes a mess. It's destructive but powerful and changes everything. God's love will transform you. Question is love enough? 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1 says, Pursue love. Not doctrine, not good theology. I believe in those things, but there's a priority in God's kingdom, and it's love. The greatest commandment love the Lord your God. And the second one is just like it love yourself so that you can love your neighbor. We forget the love ourself part. And we try to love our neighbor without loving ourselves, and it's hard. <laughs> and we, get, we don't do too good of a job. It's a kingdom of love. God's kingdom is an upside-down kingdom. Everything's backwards. If you want to be great in his kingdom, you have to be the least. Upside-down kingdom. The Lord reminded me also, the man in China, and this young girl that came to our farm. She actually lived with Danny and I. Goodness, time just, I lost all track of time. I guess it was about three years ago Jordan came to live with us. She had, um, I had met her mother at a conference in Minneapolis and heard her story, or Minnesota, and... Um, and I was just devastated by her story. Her dad was a pediatric nurse, and he was a pedophile, and devastated his daughter in all kinds of ways. And so uh, Jordan was about 13, I think, when she came to live with us. At that point, she couldn't leave her house. She kept all the blinds down. She couldn't eat more than three bites of food at a time. And she, um, just unbelievable fear and brokenness. And Jordan kept, I facilitated her God encounters, leading her to the Lord so the Lord could heal her. And she was tormented by the belief that she was going to go to hell because she'd been unable to forgive Brian. Brian, she didn't call him dad, she called him Brian. Um, and she tried to forgive, and she tried to forgive. She was tormented by this lie that she was going to go to hell. And, and so she'd been there, I think, a couple of months maybe, when one night we had an um, impromptu session, and she saw a memory that she had not remembered before. And so the Lord healed it. And so we went back in to look at the memory again to make sure there was no pain still attached to it. And we went back in the second time to look at it. And Jordan had been unable to cry, too, at this point, or feel very much other than torment. So we look at this memory, and Jordan sees Brian, and she sees Jesus, and he's kneeling across the room, and his face is lifted up, and tears are running down his face, a puddle of tears in front of him. 
and he's, and he's praying for Brian. And Jordan looks at this, and she says to me, I want to go over there and hear what he's saying. So I said, sure, you know. So she goes over there, and she kneels beside him. She listens, and she can hear him, and he's saying, Father, forgive Brian. He doesn't know what he's doing. And Jordan, all of a sudden, tears start running down her face. And I, I thought, okay, I've been waiting for the day when she could feel this is good. I had no idea what was going on. And then she jumps up out of her chair and she says, Jesus loves Brian. And I'm thinking, yeah. And she goes, no, no, no. He loves Brian. Jesus, I had no idea Jesus loved Brian. He loves him. And I'm like, okay, you're getting a hold of truth. And then I said, okay, and she does a God dance in the living room, and she says, he forgives him. She told me what happened. She said, I want to forgive him too. So she gets on her knees and forgives Brian, and the next thing she does, she shouts, I love my dad. And I am like, wow, I love my dad. I really love my dad. That was, I think, about three years ago. I just spoke with her. She's back home now, doing great. And uh, she, I just spoke with her a couple weeks ago, and she said, she calls me Grandma. She says, Grandma, every single night I pray for Brian to get saved. She said, I still love him. Love changes everything. She saw the love that Jesus had for her dad, and it changed everything. That's what love looks like. Jesus loves broken, weak, prone to sin people like me. He loves us in a way we cannot understand. We can't comprehend it. The Bible tells you that we cannot comprehend the depth, the height, the width, and the breadth of God's love for us. But we can know it. You'll never understand it, but you can experience it. And that's something nobody can take from you. Somebody can hold a gun to my head and tell me to deny Christ. And by the grace of God, I won't do it because I've touched him. I've felt him. I've heard him. I've seen him. I've smelled him. I haven't tasted him yet. That's the one that hasn't happened to me yet. Taste and see that the Lord is good. In that sense, I have. Nobody can tell me he's not real. Nobody can tell me that he doesn't love me. Nobody. Nobody can take that from me. They can change my mind about doctrine. They could convince me of ABC, but they can't take that from me. That's what love looks like. It's real, and it is enough. And beloved, if it's all you ever have, it's enough. It's all we really need, if the truth be known. Philippians 1.6 says, I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it. That word perfect means complete, make it mature. 
You see, love is enough. God promises you and I that he began a work in us and he will complete it. He will. Notice that? He says, I will. He didn't even say we will. He says, he will. He'll do it. He did it all. That's why it's enough. So regardless of what comes into your life, what tragedy, what pain, what injustice, there's one fact that remains. God is in love with you. And he's faithful and true, even if you're not. And he loves weak, broken people. He made them his best friends. He made them family. He dealt with sin a long time ago. It's not a problem for him. Satan wants us to think it is. Every day, I don't know how many times a day, we are faced with the choice. How are we going to respond to the things that happen in our day? What are we going to do? Are we going to allow the circumstances of our day to change the way we feel, to change the way we respond to people? Or are we going to choose love? Because love never fails. Do we allow the mess we've made of our lives to keep us from God? Guilt, shame, fear. I see that all the time in the girls we minister to. Satan convincing us that we're not good enough for God. Beloved, when we were at our worst, he came after us. Every one of us met him covered in filth and sin. And he chose us. We didn't choose him. If he loved us that much then... How much more when we accept his invitation into his family? When we're faced with our human frailty, do we run from him or do we run to him? David, a man after God's own heart. David was a mess. He's another one that gives me hope. He was a mess. Talk about He murdered, committed adultery. He was a mess. Lied. And God said, David's a man after my own heart. And I believe the secret for David was the fact that every time he fell in the mud, he knew where to go. He got up and he went to God. Instead of running away, he ran to him. And God said, that's a man after my own heart. Beloved, you can do that. You can live that way. (laughs) I had this one lady I was working with one time, and she told me, she said, yeah, 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 I'm going to come back to God, but I'm going to go clean up my house first. 
on the inside of her house. And I went, okay, it's your choice. And she came back the next week and the next week and still a mess and still saying. And finally, after a few weeks, I said, so how's that working for you? And she said, it's worse than it was. We don't have to get cleaned up to come to him. We can't. He's our only hope. We'll never be worthy. We may as well just, next time Satan tells you you're not worthy, just, hey, thanks for that reminder. You know what? You're right. Thank you, God, that you made me worthy. That it's not based on my performance. Thank you, Lord. Oh, and thank you, Satan, for helping remind me. I appreciate that. I love to punch him in the face. I do it all the time. All those voices I used to hear, it's so quiet inside my head. He doesn't mess with me because I use it against him. Scripture says, agree with your adversary quickly. Because often Satan will take a seed of truth, and what he does is he expands it, he expounds on it, he exaggerates it. And so I always want to check when he tells me, oh, Rhonda, you're so full of pride. I go, oh, excuse me just a minute. Father, do I have pride going on in my heart? I want to know. And sometimes he'll say, yeah, actually, remember when you said it? And I go, oh, excuse me, God. Satan, thank you so much for telling me that. I didn't know it. I missed it. I really appreciate that. Um, Father, would you just cleanse me? Would you just fill me with humility? And I... That's how I live my life, and it made, I hardly ever get those voices anymore. Try it. You'll like it, and then you get to punch his lights out, so I don't, that was a freebie. <laughs> wasn't planning on saying that, so none of us, God told me one time, he said, Rhonda, I've never had anybody qualified working for me yet. This new kingdom that we've been born into is so different from what many of us have been taught. God is not Santa Claus. He doesn't keep that list and he doesn't check it twice to find out if you've been naughty or nice. He just doesn't. His blood covers a multitude of sins. That's what love looks like. He's for you. He's not against you. He's on your side. He's your attorney against the adversary, your enemy. There's nothing we can do to make ourselves more attractive to God. We simply get to be a son or daughter and come into his presence and receive perfect love that casts out all fear. I just saw, I'm very visual, uh, so I'll just tell you what I saw. Um, I just saw that image of that package, that present that, that I talked about early, only it was huge, and, and gold, wrapped in gold paper with this beautiful, huge red bow. And uh, I really believe God has something for you but you have to receive it. And he wants to give it to you right now.
Do I have permission to do a God encounter? <laughs> okay. Welcome to the farm. <laughs> um, real simple. God gave you an imagination, right? Anybody here not have an imagination? If you don't, you, you can't think. Because everything you do, you use your imagination. Your brain thinks in images, it, not words. We think, word, we think it's words, but it's images. God gave you that imagination. It's a gift from him, and he wants you to use it for him. You can use it for the world, and you can use it for him. Your imagination is neutral. It's neither bad nor good. It's what you do with it that determines whether it's good or evil. And I would since you're here on a Saturday night and a cold, cold Saturday night, I'm from South Georgia where it's hot, was from South Georgia. So that says that you guys are serious about God or you would not be here. So I wouldn't imagine that anybody here would want to use their imagination for evil. But uh, so what I want to do is lead you in consecrating your imagination. Consecrating simply means to set it apart and make it holy, to give it back to God. It's his, belongs to him. And this is not for you to conjure up anything. I'm not asking you to conjure up anything. I'm simply asking you to give back to God every part of your being, every, your spirit, soul, and body, to just consecrate yourself to the Lord and allow God to cleanse your imagination and then we're going to just invite him to come. And since I saw the image of the gift, um, since, he, since he has initiated that, I'm going to ask you, once we get there, for you to see that gift. And then just relax and let him take over. Don't judge it until we're done. It will stop you. If you'll go left brain. Left, your right hemisphere of your brain is where you can be relational. Your left hemisphere is where you analyze things and reason and logic. That's your soul. I don't want you in your soul. I would like you to stay in your spirit. So you'll judge it when you're done, okay? Because you're supposed to judge everything. If you happen to hear or see anything that is evil or... Um, does not line up when, with scripture, just use the name of Jesus and command it to go. It's that simple, and it has to go. You don't need to be afraid, okay? Just that simple thing. If you happen to see something, just tell it to go, and then say, I invite the true Lord Jesus to come, and then invite the Lord to come back. Some of you will see. Some of you will just hear things. Not everybody sees. Some people hear. Some people are what I call perceivers. They just feel. They know things. Don't know how they know it. Didn't necessarily hear it. Didn't necessarily see it. But they just know a, tr a truth will just pop in their knower. And um, some of you might smell him. Christy walked in my room this evening. And I'd been in there praying and for a couple of hours. And she came walking in the door. And she goes, what is that smell? And I went, what? And she goes, it's amazing. It's beautiful. Have you got lotion? I said, no, nothing. I've just been right here on my bed, nothing. It was the fragrance of the Lord. So you might smell. So whatever form he chooses to communicate with you, just go with it and trust him. And let's see what he wants to do. Okay? Everybody good? So I'm going to have you repeat after me. I'm going to pray first and put up a fence around us. 
and then uh, and then I'm going to ask you to repeat after me and we'll consecrate our imaginations and then we'll relax I'll have you relax the more you can relax your physical body the more able you are to connect relationally okay any questions okay good we're all good so father I want to thank you that you want to give us a gift tonight something really really big and something really really intimately special and I ask that you would um, give us the grace everybody in this room Lord pour out your grace right now that would enable everybody in this room to experience your love tonight in a way that will surprise them in a way that is greater than anything they've ever known before and now in the name of Jesus I take authority over anything that would try to interfere anything that would try to kill to steal or destroy the plans that God has for us and I command you to go to the feet of Jesus and you do whatever he tells you to do and father I ask you to release angels in this room tonight even more than are already here I ask that you would send ministering angels that would bring messages bring healing bring hope bring love and also God we ask you for warring angels to push back the powers of darkness to fight on our behalf we thank you for the what you're going to do we thank you in advance because you are a good 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 daddy and when we ask you for bread you don't give us a stone we trust you and we love you more than words can say and so father here we come your sons and daughters okay now if you would like to repeat after me completely voluntary we're going to just ask him to cleanse our imaginations and we're going to give them back to him father in the name of Jesus we acknowledge the fact that you created our imaginations and that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit and in that temple is the Holy of Holies a place where I can experience you where I can see you hear you feel you smell you taste and know that you're good that's what I want and so I ask you to cleanse my imagination I ask you to make it holy and I ask you to come and meet with me there I want to be with you in the name of Jesus I pray you know want you take a deep breath and relax your body so you can be more relational this is about relationship not knowledge relax and allow God to come to you draw near to God and he will draw near to you and I'm going to be quiet
feel free feel free to ask him questions tell him how you feel God loves to talk his name is the word so be sure you let him talk to you and answer you If you'd like to, ask him what he loves about you the most. Tell him what tell him what you like and love about him the most. Some of you 
really, really need a hug. And he really, really wants to hug you. So if that's you, just open your arms and let him hold you if you want to. Lay your head against his chest. He won't hurt you. He wants to hold you. saw a picture of some of you trapped in that red car over there. And he wants to get you out. So if that's you, tell him. Tell him you're trapped, you're stuck, and you need his help. And ask him to come get you. believe the Lord is saying that he wants to be so much more to you than he has been. That he's so much more than a good teacher. He's so much more than a savior. He's so much more than a redeemer. He's so much more than a master. He's so much more than you thought. He's so much more than your friend. He's so much more than a genie in a bottle that you can rub when you need him. He's so much more than you ever dreamed or imagined. He's so much more than a deliverer. He says, I'm even so much more than a father. I want to be your husband. I want to be your husband. I want to be your everything. 
because I am enough. I am enough. I am more than enough. I'm extravagant in my love. My love is like a hurricane. You can't stand against it. So much more than you ever dreamed possible. All I ever wanted is to love you. All I ever wanted is to love you. That's all I've ever wanted. All I've ever wanted is to love you. I just want to love you. And I want to love you some more. And I want to love you some more. Like the waves in the ocean. All I've ever wanted is to love you. And it's enough. And you're enough for me. All I ever wanted from the beginning of time to the end of time is to love you. I just want to love you. We hope you've been blessed by this teaching from Coley Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Holy Community Church, a place where families come together.